All right, we'll be in Psalms 8, the 8th Psalm, and as I was thinking of Preston saying, I've, I've heard the story before a handful of times, but I, I tell you what, I like hearing. I like hearing again what God has done for people. Uh, we sit in a group of people, uh, sit amongst people that are miracles by God. You know, uh, not every single one has been healed from cancer, but I tell you what, every one of us has had God miraculously intervene in our lives. And I say thank God for that. And I like to hear the story again. It just blesses my heart to remember, uh, you know, different things. And then I think about what God's done in my life. And over and over again, uh, He has taken care of me. Uh, and blessed me, and I, I tell you what, what a God, what, a, what an amazing God, uh, and now I want to, we've had a great worship uh, service already this morning, and I want to get into the best part, not me preaching, but God's word is the best part, Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hast set thy glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. <clears throat> when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angel, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thine hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Lord, we thank you again for uh, being able to come together. And Lord, as we open up your word, Lord, I pray that you'd help me. Lord, touch my throat. Lord, help me fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Lord, that your word would come alive in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we would, uh, uh, that we would pay attention. We would learn. And Lord, draw us closer to you. Lord, and if there's any loss today, Lord, I pray that they'd come to know you for salvation before it's too late. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. So this... Psalm uh, begins and ends with the praise, and normally I would start at verse 1 and work my way down, but uh, uh, I, I really think the verse 4, the beginning part, has a very important question. And it, it's just, it starts out, the beginning of it is just three words. It's, uh, the question seems simple, but it says, what is man? What is man? And again, that would seem like a, a simple question, but this, I think this is part of the key to the entire psalm uh, is answering that question. But when you stop and think about it, it's not a simple question, right? Since this has uh, been written down uh, by David, uh, being touched by the Holy Spirit to, to write these words, uh, uh, since that question's been written down, thousands of years have passed and men are still trying to answer that question, aren't they? They're still trying to answer the questions of where did we come from, right? That's one. Uh, what's our purpose? Why are we here, right? Uh, who's in, are we in charge or is someone else in charge? And I could go on and on, right? There are questions that men have tried to ask. And you could ask 100 people uh, all these questions. And what do you get? 100 different answers, right? You get all kinds of opinions. Uh, and sometimes uh, even opinions change over time. What they thought at one point is now different. But I don't know about you. I'm not interested in anyone's opinion. Not even really interested in my own opinion. 
I'm interested in what the Bible says about men. If there's a question, what is man? What's the Bible say? And to do that, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole thing, but if you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, God creates the heaven and the earth right in the beginning. God created. Then he divides the light from the darkness. Then he divides the water from the heavens. Then he lets dry land appear. He creates trees and grass and plants. He creates the stars, the sun, and the moon. He creates the creatures in the sea, the birds of the air, and all the, uh, all the rest of the animals on the earth. And it's not till we get to verse 27 of chapter 1 that it says, God, So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then in the next verse, he gave man instructions to be fruitful and multiply. And God gave man dominion over all the animals, which matches verses 7 and 8 of our psalm that we read. But then in Genesis 2, verse 7, it further explains the creation of man. And the, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Unlike the animals... Right, unlike sea creatures and everything else, God created it by speaking it into existence. But by the time we get to man, uh, he did not speak us into existence. The Bible says he formed us. Right, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. And then after that, he breathed the, the breath of life and man became a living soul. Our soul is separate from our physical body. And the Bible says in many places that when this physical body dies, the soul continues. Yeah. Amen? Amen? It continues in one of two places. But I believe that soul and that breathing, the breath of life, that's what separates us among many things from the animals. Amen? He did not breathe the breath of life and create a soul in the animals. But both Genesis and verse 5 of Psalm 8 are clear. That God created man. Amen. We are created. We didn't make ourselves. We didn't involve ourselves. None of those things happened. But we were created by God. And you can go further. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So we, if we are created in the image of God, that means that we've got God's fingerprints on us. Amen. Uh, we can see that there are things that God has put on us. And not only is that fingerprint of our creator on our lives, but he only created two types of humans, male and female. Amen. You know what society would say hearing that? What I just said was hate speech. Amen. That's what they would say. And I would say, listen. I'm not arguing that there aren't two genders in existence because you ask them, right? Ask a hundred people. You'll get a thousand different genders. I'm saying God only created two and men created the rest. Amen. That's it. What is man, right? This is what David's trying to say. David's saying, hey, what is man that would deny that he was created, would deny his creator, and deny that there's only two genders. What is man? He's starting to ask this question. We'll look at verse 3, the verse that comes right before the question. When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. He's giving a contrast here. Look up in the night sky. What do you see? 
You see stars. You see planets sometimes. We see the moon up there. Again, not only did God create uh, uh, us, but he created everything that we see at night. He, he created the sun that we see in the daytime. He created all of these things. And if you ask the question, what is man? What are we in comparison to the moon? What are we in comparison to the sun? Right? Oh, if we think we're something as mankind, why can't we make our own? Right? They, they got really scared with that, uh, that, that collider thing that they did over in Europe that was supposed to bounce uh, pieces of uh, atoms against each other. And they were going to try to recreate the Big Bang Theory. And some people were actually scared that if they charged that thing up and shot two different things at each other, that it would blow up and create a whole new universe. I was not scared at all. Amen. I wasn't scared. Why? Because I don't believe that, that two things uh, smack together to create what we have here. I believe God did it. Amen. Man cannot create a star. We can't create any of these things. In fact, when you think about what is man, we have struggled to even go to the moon. We went a handful of times and we quit doing it. Right? They're going to try. They're going to try to do it again. And even now they want to land on Mars. Right? They, this is their next big uh, achievement that they want to do. They want to land humans on Mars uh, and then hope maybe bring them back. I don't know if they figured that out yet, but at least take them there. I, I used Google. Mars is 235 and a half million miles away and it would take a spaceship seven months to get there. Okay? Seven months of traveling in one of our spaceships and, and, and maybe one day uh, some people will get to Mars. Now what's going to happen when that, what, what, what will happen? I've got to find my phone. Well, maybe not. Oh, you see, I can. What happens when this finally happens? It, if we actually send somebody to Mars, right, the seven months, everyone's going to be excited. They're going to be tracking it. And what will happen the, the day or the night when they actually land? What are we going to do? We're going to be glued to our screens, yeah. right? We're going to be watching. We're going to be listening. We're going to be excited. And just like the first moon landing, if anyone was around, I was not. But they were excited about it. They got together. They stayed up later to watch it. Kids did. And what's going to happen? That first astronaut's going to step out, is going to touch the surface. They're going to say some phrase that instantly is going to be historic, right? And we're all going to cheer and we're going to say, wow, look what man has done, yeah. right? Look what large leap for mankind that we've made. But the Bible says, what is man? Yeah. Oh, we managed to go to, the, to Mars. Okay, wonderful. How about trying to at least go to the edge of the galaxy that we're in today? I looked that up. A million light years away. I was glad it was that easy because I didn't have to do any math. That means if we could make a spaceship go as fast as light travels, it would take a million years to get to the end of it. And guess what? Once you get to the end of the Milky Way, there's plenty of other ones after that. We don't even know where space ends. We don't yeah. know where the last star is. We don't know any of this. Yeah. So we would be all impressed getting to Mars, and one day we will, and I'll watch it. I'll be excited. But then we ask the question, what is man? In the face of God, even looking in the heavens, we're nothing. We're nothing. We're nothing. Verse 5.
for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 7, and, and all sheep and oxen, yea, the beast of the field. Verse 8, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. So man, uh, dad actually said this in Sunday school. Verse 5, man was created a little lower than the angels. So the angels were created by God first, then man was created by God, and we are lower. They have way more power than we do. Right? We're no match for them. But really, he doesn't say man is higher than the animals. It says we're a little lower than the angels, I believe, because God wants us to look up. And as we look up to him, the angels are above us just to let us know we're below them. But then God's even above them. Amen? Amen. The problem is man is looking downward, right? We're all impressed that we have dominion over the animals, right? We're impressed by that, but we're looking the wrong direction. We're a little lower than the angels, right? And by the way, that dominion that God, that we have over the animals, that was given by God. Do you realize if he took that away, the animals would not be scared of us anymore, and we'd be in trouble. Just think about that for a second. He gave us that. What is man? What is man? We've looked at a couple of examples, but really if we need to know who we really are, we've got to look up to God and we've got to look up to God's word because it is above all things as well. That's where the true answer is. And you know, I could continue all day long. What is man? We're prideful. What is man? We're self-centered. What is man? We're short-sighted, right? We're here and now and not thinking of eternity. And last week, what is man? Man's a sinner and rebellion against God. But look at the whole of verse 4 now. Now that we've established who man is. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. So if we know in light of the question, uh, in light of who man is, uh, David is now asking how could the Lord God Almighty that created the sun, the moon, and the stars, that created us, what's it say? Art mindful of man. That's a catchphrase. I've heard it. I heard it Friday. I've heard it uh, a couple times lately, but I looked it up. Mindfulness means being attentive, caring for, observant. And you think about this. Why, what's he asking? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Asking God this question. Of thinking of God and thinking we are so small. We're so insignificant. We are created. We, we, uh, we are impressed when we get to Mars. And there's so much more than that. Yet God looks at us small, insignificant, needy, prideful, rebellious. And he's mindful of us. Yes. He cares about us. He watches us. Amen? That's what David's asking. Can you believe that? Can you believe God would even care about us at all? He does. He does. But not because we're special in some grand way that this world thinks. Like I'm some gift to to God. No, it's a gift that he loves me. Why does he care so much? It goes on. And the son of man, that thou visitest him. Can you think about that? Well, see, we could have questions of what that means, but I'm glad the Bible answers a lot of the questions that we have itself. Hebrews 2, 6, and 9 fully quotes this part of this psalm. 
It says this, but one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet, for in that he uh, put in all subjection under him. He left nothing that is put not put under him, but we, uh, but now we see not all things put under him, but we see Jesus who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man you go through the Old Testament and the uh, Jesus before he came he visited uh, this earth a handful of times right but that's not what it's talking about. This is talking about when Jesus came and was born of a virgin, right? When he came to this earth, he took the form of man. He lived a sinless life. And he ended up giving his life on the cross for our sins. Right? That's what it's saying. Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, he was made a man just like us. He wasn't made into an angel or anything else. He took on the form of flesh just like us. And he gave his life for us. How could he? And, and he suffered death. He tasted death for every man. So that we could be saved by his death. A payment for sins. And you think again. I'll ask the question. How could Jesus love mankind so much? The same mankind that will say he did not create them. The same mankind that will create hundreds of genders. The same mankind that will rebel against him. Right? The same that will look up in heaven and say that it came from just the Big Bang. How could that Jesus die for our sins? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he cares so much. I don't know why he's so mindful. I don't know why he would come to this earth and die for people that would deny he even exists. And then will blame God for everything wrong in this earth and then live like animals. I don't know why Jesus did that. But the closest I can find to an explanation is Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For those of us that have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who died in our place, we struggle with David too to understand. Because you can make it real personal. Who am I that God would be mindful of me? Who am I that God would die for me? It's amazing to think about. But I'm glad. That even when we struggle to understand it, the best part is we don't have to understand it. We just have to accept that Jesus loved us enough to die in our place and follow David's lead. What did David do when he couldn't understand it? When he's asking the question, we go back to the beginning in the last verse. Oh Lord, oh Lord, uh, how excellent is thy name in all the earth who has set thy glory above the heavens. I'm telling you one thing, this world may not see the splendor and majesty of the heavens and see that it's God that created it. This world may not, uh, uh, they, may, uh, they may ignore God or everything else, but I'll tell you what, 
what? We, as that are saved by Jesus Christ, we can praise the Lord forever. Amen. We can praise him. He did visit us. He did die for us. He did raise on the third day. All so that we can be saved. There is no more excellent name on this earth than Jesus. Amen. No more name. We can praise him, right? Uh, why? Because he made us. We can praise the Lord. Not only did he make us, uh, but he has blessed us beyond measure. We can praise the Lord. Not only that, he died for us. We can praise the Lord. Not only did he save us when we came to him, uh, but he put the Holy Spirit in our heart. Uh, praise the Lord. Not only did he do that, he put us together so we can worship and grow and learn together. Praise God for that. And we can go on and on. He's blessed our families. He's blessed us with uh, jobs. He's blessed our health. He's blessed us over and over again. And even if those things fail, we can still praise the Lord over and over again. Why? Because he's worth it. His name is excellent. Because the more we answer the question, what is man? The more we look up to God and say, wow, what a God. That's what happens. It should turn us back to him. And not only that, he's gone away to heaven. But he's not going to leave us here forever. Amen. He said he's coming back and we can praise God for that. And if we're to close our eyes in death and you're saved by Jesus Christ, you'll open your eyes in paradise with him. And you're thinking about the excellent name of Jesus. Peter was preaching about Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, he said this, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is mindful of man. Jesus is mindful of you. Amen. But he will not force you to come to him. He will not drag you. He'll not force you. He made a way of salvation on the cross. Dying on the cross and raising from the dead. But he won't force you to pray to him and accept his salvation. It's a gift, but you've got to accept it. Amen. You just have to admit you're a sinner and call on his name. And if you're lost and you've never done that, you need to before it's too late. You're not promised tomorrow. But I'll tell you one thing. If you're a Christian today, has it been a while since you've really stopped and thanked the Lord for what he's doing? Has it been a while since you've stopped and really looked at who you are, who we really are? Right? Our hearts are deceitful. Our minds are proud and everything else, whether we want to admit it or not. But I'll tell you what, God is greater. Amen. And he loved us that much. I think in this society, we've fallen in this trap that we are the king of the universe. We're not. Right. That we're so special that, you know, uh, I can just demand God to do something. No, no, no. What is man? Yeah. I'm just saved by Jesus Christ. He loves me so much, and I don't know why. If I'm being honest, I don't know why. But I'm accepting it. And I'm turning around and saying, Lord, you are amazing. You're a great God. You're merciful. You're loving. And I have no reason for you to bestow any of that on me. But I accept it. And I praise you for it. That's what David was struggling with. And in the beginning and the end, he decided that the answer was not answering the question. 
but just praising the Lord. Amen? I think there are times when we need to get there. I said in Sunday school, my mind is very logical. It works on logic. If things, uh, uh, they have to go right or, or that logic breaks, the warning lights go on and I don't like it. It works really good for work. Amen. It works really good when you're looking at transactions, looking for nonsense, right? Uh, looking for uh, crime and everything else. It works great for that. It doesn't work great for faith. Because sometimes I just have to say, God, I don't understand. I can't figure this logic out. But I'll tell you what, if your word says it, I want to try to believe it and praise you for it. I'm going to ask everyone to stand this morning.